Good morning and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at Cyberforce Zero today, but before we dive into that, I want to bring everybody's attention to our October schedule. We're going to be on the road quite a bit this October, starting October 6th through the 9th. You can find us at Columbus at CXC, a very fun comics festival if you're anywhere near there. We will wrap up October at Baltimore Comic Con, a show for the comic book fans. So uh, check us out there October 28th to the 30th. It's where we first uh, conceived of Cartoonist Kayfabe, so it'll be fun to go back to that one. And you can find me October 22nd at Jacksonville Public Library for their comic and zine festival. It is Kayfabe-tober, and here's a prompt list for uh, things we'd love to see all of you draw. If you do decide to go with the cartoonist Kayfabe-tober drawing prompts this year, tag us. Uh, whenever you share those drawings, I love to see those. We'll share some of those. So you can tag us on Instagram. You can at us on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, man. You know, we'll be happy to see all those, share those when we can, and uh, just have some fun drawing some awesome stuff because uh, comics rule. But we are here today to get into Walt Simonson's Cyberforce Zero. Kind of a weird uh, comic book. You know, you think of like comics history and, and various things that are going on. And Walt Simonson's legacy is a lot of great comics in his past. And this may be his biggest selling item. So kind of strange. Didn't do a lot at Image Comics, but this was something that was done pretty early in Image's run. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I sort of came up uh, when I started really getting serious uh, about comics. Uh, reading his run on um, Fantastic Four, I was that's where I started. I was picking that up uh, off off the spinner racks. You know, that was the same t around the same time as as uh, you know Extinction Agenda and all that mm -hmm. kind of shit, man. So I knew his pedigree, and I dug his work there a lot. They were consistently my favorite comics to read because even X Men was like, what am I reading here? I'm looking at cool drawings. That's what I was buying that shit for. I'm yes. looking for cool drawings, uh, consistently readable, and I got this comic. When like my pops would just buy boxes and boxes of comics from from the flea market because he knew he knew I was down with this shit. So we said it before, said it, say it again, man. The the early '90s speculator become became the like mid to late '90s liquidator. That's right. And the shit came to Eddie P's house. So I had a box uh, of you know all the image number ones and like like all that kind of and runs you know. Mm -hmm. And this was in there, and I was very excited to see it because we know what his classical approach to comics is and. To see like Ollie Optics, Joe Chiodo, computer coloring on top of a more classic style is something I was very curious to check out because I thought of like the um, Lees and the McFarlands and stuff as as being like you know cutting edge artwork or something and the the color really laid well with those dudes but you just never had much opportunity to see a classic guy get colored under sort of the best conditions like it is Joe Chiodo doing the set uh, the the guides or whatever um and like I like his stuff but this is just very by the numbers in terms of color choice uh but all the optics doing the final separations you get all the same bells and whistles and lens flares and all the weird stuff that uh Steve Olive had commissioned f when it came to his uh his digital apparatus so that that was that's interesting for me about this yeah, and this is early days of that digital color where um, it's dark. This is what I think of when I think of image computer color. You know, like all these kinds of like um, harsh uh, transitions in terms of color, the radial blurs and stuff. Yeah, uh, a note from Mark Silvestri in the beginning, and look at like the, I'm going to call it crappy design. Sure. For, for this inside cover, you know, where we have like lettering disappearing over top of artwork and stuff. But Silvestri has a little intro 
pretty much singing the praises of Simonson and talking about how there were three guys that blew him away, Kirby, John Buscema, and Simonson. Yeah. So I always loved that part because, you know, Image was such a dream as a kid. Yeah. Like, I'd read about this stuff, and it's like their own characters, and especially with Larson or somebody who has these characters from their childhood, it felt like this dream thing. And now you add in, like, oh, this artist that I love coming up, he's going to draw my characters. Right. Pretty awesome. It's genius. And and uh, Silvestri is one of those guys, like, I, I am... I get very disappointed. I'm very disappointed in his his approach from from like a creative aspect in a lot of ways with Cyberforce and stuff. And he's admitted that he's he went sort of full Jim Lee at that period and stuff. But uh, we knew his X Men. He had some incredible visual storytelling. I'm thinking about this one image of Rogue stopping a train and like the fucking train tracks getting pushed up and she's getting like push to the edge of like a cliff or something incredible visual storytelling. he has those chops to be a great visual storyteller and there's a jay-z line that's like you know dumb down for my audience double my dollars uh so my disappointment is creatively but he made the smart money-making decision but he disabused himself from all comic book storytelling when he went down this this road and it's disappointing you know it's it's sad because because he he uh just he neglected that part of comics just for the dollar and I th- I th- don't think it served him well uh and like for himself you know like he created a studio and all that kind of stuff but nobody's like the great Mark Silvestri comic is this or that when they started there would be like lots of group interviews with all the image dudes and everything and I'd read everything I could sure, find sure. I remember an amazing heroes issue maybe maybe we'll cover that at some point where it was like all yeah. the dudes talking about their books before any image book came out but everybody sort of of that group was like Mark Silvestri is the best artist. Right. They all said it. And and those X-Men issues, he was doing Wolverine right before he came over here. I followed him through all that stuff and loved that. Right. His first few uh, Cyber Force issues, I really liked. And they were kind of cartoony. They reminded mm-hmm. me of Larson's. They would have like, was it Blitzkrieg? Like they were just, there were plays on words with like a character with four arms would have some funny name. And it felt like he could have gone in this cartoonish direction. Which is where comics went. Like, he could have been a, a predecessor to the J. Scott Campbells and stuff. But you're right. He was part of Homage Studios, and I think that's mentioned in here, maybe in the letters page somewhere, maybe in the ads. When he goes out on his own, though, like, he, he goes from being, like, a kind of indistinct image guy to figuring it out in terms of, like, at least carving out, like, whatever Top Cow would become. And I would say it's Witchblade, quite and, frankly. And Darkness. Yeah, and, and, and Witchblade. <laughs> like, I think Witchblade was the one that, like, I mean, that was a TV show for a little bit. You know, I think that was the one that really created an identity for Top Cow. And so and that comes way later, by the way. You're seeing where the, the winds are blowing, you know what I mean? Yeah, that came way later. That came, like, five years later, I feel like. Right, which at the time, if you don't figure that part out, the thing that sells that makes some money, you're shutting your doors, maybe. Because, yeah. I mean, that's getting into the late 90s. Like, you did need to figure out what the moneymaker was. Um, fun to see Simonson, <laughs> like, talk about getting off track. <laughs> thought we were going to do a, a Silvestri comic know, here right? for a minute. Uh, but you see him kind of doing the money stuff with the Cyberforce team, which I think you've you you know you've got to do. Like, you alluded to what these books were. Yeah. And you see it in these first couple of pages. Like, they were known as pinup books, the image stuff. And so, like, how do you adapt your style to that? Fortunately, Simonson can draw anything. So sure. I think that you do see this as a, I don't want to say a critique, but certainly a dissection of, like, what is an image comic? All right, here we go. Like big images and action and over-the-top characters. Simonson's hand is held to a very small extent at the very least because this is plotted by Mm -hmm. Mark, Eric, and and Walt Simonson. So they're they're adding something to it. Um, But yes, money shots and things. It would be stuff like this that I'd be paying attention to because these are very clear 
Simonson kind of ticks. You don't see these kind of marks no. in any other kind of image type book. And it's very interesting. And I mean that in like that general, like we live in interesting times, interesting, not good, not bad. Because uh, with these lens flares and shit, he's divorced from like the computer colorist is divorced from like the lines he's laying down. Like the light source is not the same. And there's a push pull that's happening. Here's your dark, by the way. Yes. Yeah, his style, it is one of those styles that I don't know if the colorists really were incorporating his style into it. Because you can see in a lot of the gradients where some of this early software, like you get a hard edge. Even yeah. though like you're bleeding out, you know, you're going from like the white into the dark. Banding. But, yeah, banding. Well, his line art almost builds like, I feel like you could band within his some yeah. of his line art treatment if you were really... Maybe if it's a longer collaboration, yeah. you know, and there's some back and forth and you see it in print. And I think you do get hints of it. You know, like there are certain places where it does feel like the coloring and the line art are playing together. Yeah, man, that's such a heck of a vehicle there. <laughs> there's a lot going on there. But again, I feel like this I chalk up to this is image storytelling. You know, you can see even the horizontal verticals of these things have been now rotated 15 degrees or so. Look at the curve. To, to imply that speed. I love the curve. Just a, just a genius comic maker. You know, like these are very clear Walt Simonson types of images. And a it's, lot of and big it's, motion. Yeah, and it's working in... We don't say it enough because usually we say, oh, speed in a vehicle, get the tires off the road. Curvier perspective sure. is another way to really do it. And Gene Colan, a master of that. You know, even a guy... The, the doctor here questioning this guy or explaining what's going on, even he has that commanding presence. Like, everybody's in a power pose. This is a very interesting time, too, where where uh, Moore's Law is such that, that co computers are becoming more and more ubiquitous in, in, in everyday life and things. Mm -hmm. And uh, with this new technology, there's a there's a suspicion from from people so there's a lot of paranoia and we, i mean we share it to this day with ai and things like that but yeah, like absolutely. certainly at that time uh post post cold war like the new concerns started to become uh, you know cyber data yeah. and 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 uh internet literally the bad guys in this yeah sure yeah yeah totally <laughs> uh this is one where i think the colorist doesn't follow your artist your line art because if you look there's like a double lighting kind of thing for the hand. Yeah, you could have had something the same color. Yeah, yeah, that, you that, know, that could have really glowed yep. out of his palm, but instead we have the same color all around. Yeah, totally. I always like that character's design. Really Kill, cool. Killjoy maybe or Buzzkill or something. Can't remember her name, but I always thought that that, that was a cool looking design. <laughs> Look at that lettering all over the place. Yeah, John Workman on lettering, so longtime Simonson collaborator, and again I think that speaks to the hey, we're doing an image book, John. The lettering's going to be big and all over. Yeah, but it does look like typing. It do, it doesn't look hand done. I'm looking at the blams and stuff. You know what I was looking at? Those are two different E's. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to see an original page of this. I should have Googled that before we uh, we got in here. The story that's going on in terms of origin is that Cyberdata puts these chips into these guys' heads, including some of the uh, Cyberforce team. Turns you so to they a puppet. Start out as the bad guys. And uh, here's our evil scientist, of course, because the bald uh, glasses can't see his eyeballs. It's Professor X. It's uh, who's the guy in Weapon, Weapon X? X? Yeah, <laughs> Cornelius. Yeah, we got a shared universe here, people. Yeah, I'm confused by how much Warblade's in here. It's never really spoken of why Warblade is all through this. Yeah, so so uh, maybe it comes up in the in the crossover, the Cyberforce Wildcats crossover. But he's in this like he's part of the team or something. Yeah, so I get the the implication, and he you know he's got the hands right mm -hmm. with the fingers. So that's a cybernetic technology. So I guess that implies that maybe he's not 
like a daemonite or whatever, you know, the alien species, whatever the uh, wildcats yeah. are. Uh, he just kind of joined joined the ranks. Maybe he got saved. Yeah, could be. You know, there's like a five or six issue Warblade series by Bisley. Is that so? Yeah. Oh man, that's cool. So much of the stuff you talk about the comics that you didn't know even exist. Sure. There's a ton of that. Timmy's looking a little older here. Chip, Chip, not Timmy. Yeah, which is so funny because it's like, you know, in Transformer comics, you have Spike Witwicky, you have the little boy from Bucky O'Hare, like that little genius boy. That's an archetype. And more of this explanation of this chip that's uh, causing them to operate. How about that for a point blank uh, shot in the face, execution yeah. style? Yeah. I don't know if that's real or if that's an implanted memory, but that's what we're revealing here is this doctor, the good doctor, removed the chip. Yeah, like one of the things throughout this issue is that the bad guys come, the good guys show up, the bad guys leave one bad guy who, who couldn't pull his weight, and then that's how they get the chip. And you find out that the guy, the bad guy who couldn't pull his weight that got the chip taken out Ain't that bad of a fella once uh, he's not being manipulated. Right. I, I bring that up because of the important close to this issue. Yes. The, the poignant. The poignant ending I can't wait on this to get one. there. <laughs> Man, a lot of violence. That's another one of those staples. And if you isolate just that hand, you could tell me that's an Eric Larson drawing. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, it is. Sure. Uh, Those um, knuckles. Wish we could have gotten a Simonson to come come do a one-shot or a miniseries for a dragon. How about that, huh? That would have been a good a good fit, I think. As, uh, you know, creators, certainly Larson would talk a lot about Walt Simonson and those letters pages as a positive influence on, on his work. Another Wildstorm character. So, again, at this, at this time, you know, Silvestri is, uh, is, is working out of that studio, the Homage Studios. Braboof. Yeah. <laughs> um, pause here for a second to pay some bills so we are working cartoonists here at cartoonist kayfabe and the way we keep the lights on is you buy our comics right now hulk grand design is my latest comic monster madness two issues that you can get at your local comic shop the collection is coming out in january and you can pre-order that at your local comic shop or wherever you buy books it's a big oversized fluorescent cover you will not be able to miss it in january and you'll want it in your pull list then pre-order it now to be safe street angel deadly squirrel alive this is my collection of all of my image street angel comics a homeless ninja on a skateboard who doesn't love that plus a few issues that were not uh, published anywhere so you get about eight complete stories in that one pick that up now back in print after a year out of print ed piscor's red room trigger warnings the collection of the second season of red room is now in comic shops everywhere and wherever books are sold you can pick up anti-social network as well still in print both of these books are self-contained read whichever one comes to you first and uh, you will be on board for this Blood and Guts classic series. And now back to Cyberforce Zero. So we're continuing the mayhem. This comic is basically just loaded with action. It's one As fight it after be. another. As it should be. Yeah, and I think, again, this is a, a longtime comic creator coming on board and saying, what's an image comic? Let me make one. Look at Stryker and the Hooskow. I always loved Stryker's design. That was one of those, like, when you'd see the sketches before the books ever came out, there was something about the asymmetry that I was just like, I don't know how, I can't draw two arms and two legs on a dude and make it look cool and somehow you're drawing three on one side you talk about trying to copy something and like really ruining my ability uh, at human anatomy <laughs> striker is a curveball for sure <laughs> and you can see the first mini series of cyber force is out so of course you're plugging your uh, trade paperback of this yeah which is interesting because that was kind of atypical like trade paperbacks were real novelty items yes at, at that time uh even all of sandman was wasn't in trade paperbacks at that point you know like the first sandman trade paperback was not the first eight issues it wasn't preludes and nocturnes it was doll's house i didn't realize that yeah 
it kind of makes sense the way those books are uh, laid out. But as you say, you know, it is uh, it's a new world, right? Early '90s and cells are also in places they've never been. So figure out however you can sell these books. Um, again, you're not going more than a page or two without action. A lot of Gil Kane, I feel, in this figure. Just uh, just seeing that for the first time. I wonder if Gil Kane was somebody that Simonson's looked at and internalized some. Yeah, it's a good a good a good question. You know, he talked about Topi a lot, and and when you look at Topi's work, you, you see you see you see that in Simonson. But uh, now that you mention it, a lot of the inking feels kind of similar to like Gil Kane inking Gil Kane. Yeah, Simonson's line work is something that always fascinated me. And his earliest work, it's a little bit different. But by the time you get to the 90s and his Fantastic Four and some of his Thor even, you see these kinds of like, I, like one of a kind inking yeah. marks. And that always stood out to me early on. Like, what is this? You know, mm -hmm. like it's, it's not, it's a far cry from say a Jim Lee Scott Williams cross hatching. But I think it's a similar kind of idea, you know, especially in some of this like double lighting stuff. And by the way, si signing this one, uh, love whenever the artists sign the pages. Oh, amazing. I didn't even realize that. And I encourage everybody to check out our Walt Simonson shoot interview. Definitely. I actually, I actually uh, want, wondered, you know how like on the sidebar on YouTube, you just see like, oh, let, let, me, let me hear Uncle Walt again. <laughs> and he's just so with it. So hip, so smart, so quick. And, and his commentary is real snappy. He's like the John Madden of Cartoonist Kayfabe. <laughs> That's a good description. In his commentary yeah. and stuff. This this was uh, I stared at this panel for a while, dude. It's just a very simple silhouette, as per what Walt Simonson turns in. But uh, these Ollie Optics guys would dress things up a bit and and add a little of their mm -hmm. own mixture to it. So on the plane that's facing the light, the colorist is adding these color marks, and it's a very cool looking piece of like abstract art you know like divorced from the entire comic this stopped me in my tracks because it's just it's there's something captivating about it it feels weird yes it it has no place amongst everything else that you see on the page or in the comic the only way that you could justify it i think is there's no flat anywhere except like maybe this black in the sky but there's just no flat color anywhere yeah you know even like backgrounds that, that should be receding and stuff you're still getting these gradients on everything and so i wonder if that's the thing like if this were flat if it would just be flat in a way like construction paper laid on top where, or yeah where it just Which stands really out too much but yeah it would definitely look different i was looking at this because it's the same thing where this is all open but you can see is it ollie optics is that how you said color yeah yeah they're it's, adding it's a, lot, a lot of drawing in there yeah and it's not just like the gradients inside of the explosions but it's even like hard edges for your starburst uh it's a lot of color drawing i like some of it like the purple and orange for water it's amazing that that works you know being complementary colors but it works because it's not a gradient mm -hmm. they're next to each other so it's kind of like a good shadow i love this part a little bit of yellow highlight it's almost a highlight from this panel yeah, it's a transition yeah yeah it's kind of cool and simonson man drawing wet hair on striker <laughs> that's something you're not going to see the image guys doing like their characters having wet hair or whatever because they go in the drink and uh this is your guy that they uh that they rescued that they got the chip out of his head and you know what by the he's, way he's not planning to go on to a superhero career like he's getting out yeah not yeah. cut out for this line of work how he live in the burbs how heavy do you think striker would be if he was in the drink with all those arms and, and cybernetic technology yeah like he's he not, might be an anchor he's not coming up like this his <laughs> left arm may be the last thing waving up above the water but, <laughs> but he's this is an anchor <laughs> yeah so give him the scoop on uh, our guy's plans 
Yeah, man, he's going to the Burbs, and it makes Stryker think about that. You know, not sure that uh, that's his future, but sounds pretty good. By the way, I'd read a book of uh, Stryker in the suburbs. Right, yeah, like, like are you going to wear just a bathrobe over <laughs> top of a couple of those arms? Wear, wearing the muscle shirt when he's out mowing the yard. There's going to be some questions from the neighbors. He's, he's mowing, weed whacking, <laughs> and mopping. All at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as he's walking out of the hospital, man, wishing this guy, you know, glad to hear that he's turned the corner and he's going to be on his way. The Evil next cyber data. The next panel. God damn it. And, and it reminded me, like, I encourage, encourage everybody, if you have the opportunity to do such a thing, you know, like we sit around drawing comics all day. So maybe you're in a position where it's you could allow movie watching to happen while you're maybe inking or doing some more mindless thing. You watch the Death Wish flicks in a row. <laughs> and it's like, if Paul Kersey fucks you, you're dead. You're doomed. Like... Like, once Charles Bronson decides that you're a love interest... Oh, boy. Something real bad is happening to you, and then you <laughs> compound that over various movies. It might be movie three, where there's, like, uh, like a like a bleeding-heart caseworker lady who's like, Fuck you, Paul Kersey. And he charms her after a, a while. And then... <laughs> Who could resist Charles Bronson's charm? He So, he fucks her... And leaves the crib like this, and she's like in a car, and people they like I don't remember they knock her out and like take the brake off, and she just goes backwards, and he's like, oh it's that girl I just fucked, and she's as the car's going backwards, and she's like she's in the car, and just explodes, you know, hits into like a gas truck or something like it just fucking explodes two seconds after he banged her, and he's just like. Like just <laughs> again, I'm gonna get these fuckers. <laughs> but it's it's placid <laughs> like this where it's just like. The mother, it's showtime, you motherfuckers. Killing all my girls. I love the moment, though, that he's, like, walking just through the parking garage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In full forearm regalia. <laughs> yeah, but these are just, uh, like, these ain't the Jim Lee, Scott Williams, Mark Silvestri cars. This is, like, the Brett Booth. Like, that's their wing of, of the, the Wild Storm parking lot. You know, <laughs> that's, that's K cars. This is, times are good. That's Sobs. <laughs> And shit like that, man. It's not like the benzos and shit that those dudes run. The Vipers. And there's your helicopter from earlier that you were so impressed by. Looks good in perspective. Imagine drawing that. Helicopters zooming by fast in perspective away from you. Ain't afraid to have those those uh, speed lines. Those are Simon Sinian speed lines. Yeah, those always look great. And Stryker's had enough. Uh, this is so funny to me, like all the sound effects here of John Workman, because I always think of like the cocking the gun is always the sound effect you hear in the action movies. There's about five of those things going on there. But gets one shot off, and uh, it finds its mark. That red eye better have some precise targeting capabilities, or else you need to get your money back. Yeah, we've all seen Terminator. We know how it works. He should have a gun in each hand, right? Sure. You could be shooting three at once. And and this is where like he's the like... the predator sight. Yeah. With the triangle. And this is where he's like, you know what? I ain't going to the burbs neither. Fuck that shit. No. And he won't forget that guy. He reminded him how much there is left to do and how much he loves his work. <laughs> <laughs> this was uh, this is a funny ad to me because I was looking at like top-selling books from different years. Yeah. And Codename Strike Force, top five book from the year it came out. I don't know if it's 94 or 93, but that's one of your top five books of the year. It's everything a boy could love. Like what's what's fascinating to me, recalling this time, it was that um, I didn't see that many uh, Sylvester books like on the on the actual rack. You know, like 
Shadowhawk and the Sylvester books were not the easy ones to get for me you know like if they were super popular they were they got scooped up quick on wednesdays or something yeah because i was like a weekend dude surprising that this sold as well as it did because i'm i agree with you like like i said i think in that first wave of image guys Silvestri, valentino and eric larson would have been like your your lower half in terms of sales yeah, yeah. with liefeld lee and mcfarlane as like the top dogs so it's impressive to me that Silvestri's able to like turn that into being one of the top sell sell guys. Yeah. And not to do it overnight is uh, even more impressive because how many chances do you get at that first impression and to, and to really win people over? That's true. And you can see that crossover I mentioned between the, uh, well, the first ever Amage Studios crossover. So you've got Silvestri and Jim Lee's team up. This image that uh, Silvestri drew uh, really informed, like at the time, um, I was drawing very wimpy forearms on uh, on my superheroes and stuff. And I looked at that, like I would copy this image. And these are Megaton Man forearms. But you just got to keep the thick wrist and then it's just muscle guy. Yeah. You know? But it, I mean, that is Megaton Man forearms. No doubt. I copied a lot of his art. Yeah, yeah. Like this, this exact thing. I think I might even had it framed and shit. That was a Mark Mark. <laughs> you see the the one dollar ah nice that's an ides under the basement kind of mark there yeah right? yeah yeah because and the only reason it's there is because on this back cover there's no place to put Glossy. it though they would probably put it there yeah. I, I would say no it's always the same handwriting too i think i, I think that's jim that's jim's uh handwriting the um what one of the things that's interesting to me is simonson does this one issue it sells well and then goes on to do bravura yeah if i'm pronouncing that right the uh creator own line that replaces image at Malibu yeah and uh it's almost like um the previous the 80s generation of hot artists that are part of that you know Chaikin does a book there Starlin, Starlin. does a book there um, Gilkane I think yeah yeah that, that was my first Gilkane was Edge that he pencils and inks himself there so it was kind of an interesting thing and whenever uh legend forms with Miller and Byrne and those guys like they had talked to Simonson and I think Simonson was already committed to the Brevera line is why he wasn't part of legend but you see like all of these creator owned things popping up. Yeah. And I just, I don't know, you know, like it's funny cause you see this and think like, why wasn't Simonson just image? But it was like, there were all these other things out there. And, and, and it would be, it would be incongruent, you know, like if he was image, he would have been Mike Grell Shaman's tears mm -hmm. level. You know what I mean? Like he would be this other thing. He would be Wildstar, Al Gordon, Jerry Ordway, wing of yeah. image. And I'm not saying Bravora did any better for him or something like that. I bought most of those Bravora books. Like yeah. they did they did make sense in the sense of like, here's this group of artists and I was like, okay, I know that, three that, or four of them and I like them. It, it felt like each of those wings that you <clears throat> described, like the Image Cats, that's the eighty seven school, the eighty six school of cartoonists. The legend stuff made a lot of sense because those are apex levels of like bronze age. Frank Miller, John Byrne, uh, a couple weird ones. Paul Chadwick is like that. That's that's a Mike that Richardson a push, yeah. and uh, you know Min Mignola, like sort of like pretty like the artist artists, but Art Adams, and then Bravura is like these are the badass dudes that were that were there in the seventies. You know, like like Legend was more like eighties cats, even though Byrne was involved. Like you, I think you guys understand what I'm saying, but uh, Bravura was like these are dudes that were like real strong even in the 70s. It's interesting if you're uh, if you're into Simonson and you want to look at some of this stuff, like the 90s stuff, is to go back and look at Star Slammers next to this. Yeah. Because I do think the storytelling is different. Between oh, the two absolutely. Books. You know, like, like he's bringing this like 
image action dynamic to this to this and uh it's just great great to have it Absolutely. i love seeing it totally man i'm good to go if you are yes kayfabers like follow subscribe to the youtube channel hit the bell we'll notify you when new vids are available jimmy what's out there hulk grand design monster madness is in comic shops right now each 40 page issue uh, tells the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk. There is also an oversized treasury edition coming in January that you can pre-order now from your local comic shop or wherever you buy books. Street Angel Deadly Scroll Live, uh, also in comic shops, back in print from Image Comics. It collects all of my color Street Angel stories, plus a couple that were not published initially. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see a lot more of my art and comics and uh, and support me there. Red Room Trigger Warnings is in stores now, collecting the 2022 season of Red Room Comics. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics, and every issue of the comic is self-contained, which makes every book reasonably self-contained. So if this is the new one that you see, scoop it up, give it a shot. You don't need a bunch of history to fully absorb these stories. If you dig it, grab, grab the uh, OG book. That will not hurt things, and that will help uh, support me and the channel in a great uh, way. At my Patreon right now, uh, which is also in my link tree in the description below, I'm uh, serializing new Red Room material, and I'm going to be uh, serializing e the newer projects that I'm going to be working on there. Three bucks gets you the archive, access to everything, which includes all of this stuff, plus the forthcoming work that has yet to see print. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, given those marching orders, will be on our way. Read more comics.